You can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. Um, A few weeks ago, when I was preaching on the teachings that Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, we looked at John chapter 14. Well, Jesus said, and then then last week we looked at uh, the Gospel of Luke where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to look at those things, but but, uh, I want to start emphasizing more on the Holy Spirit and less on the teachings of Jesus. But here's the interesting thing. They often go together. You can't separate them. I was, I was, I was thinking about how, how do the current events of this world right now go together with what I want to say on Sunday morning? Like, I, honestly, I don't want to move away from what I believe the Holy Spirit is asking me to preach because I'm, I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to teach on the Holy Spirit, which I think is so important for us as Christians, so important for us as a church to know, is to learn who the Holy Spirit is and what role does he play in our lives. And over the next coming months, I'm going to talk about all the different roles. But here's the interesting thing, is that um, I think as a pastor, it's still important for me to touch on things that are happening in the world. I think that you as God's people want to know uh, what the Bible has to say and what your pastor thinks about things when they happen in the world like... um, you know, uh, a country, one country invading another, and then you hear, you know, maybe you talk about it with your friends, you hear it in the news, you're praying about it like we just prayed about, and you're like, okay, well, what, is, what does God have to say with what's going on here? And, I'm, and honestly, I try in my, in my best ability to ask God those same questions. God, what do I share with, with, the, with your people? You know, there's going to be people watching online, there's going to be people here on Sunday morning. What does... Russia and Ukraine have to do with what you want to say today. And sometimes I can do a good spin and try to relate these things. And others, uh, I I find it difficult. And and I feel like the Holy Spirit says, just keep moving forward. And here's why I think that we sometimes need to continue to move forward. Even though I could say much on the issues of Russia and Ukraine. I talked to a pastor this week where he was looking at what was happening in the world and he was comparing it to the book of Revelation and a lot of the people I know who are Christians are like, wow, Jesus must be coming soon because there's more wars and rumors of wars just like Jesus said. So I could go back to preaching what I actually preached a few years ago, if you don't remember, when we were talking about the book of Revelation. But I believe the Holy Spirit is asking me to continue preaching on the Holy Spirit. And here's why. Even though we need to address sometimes the topic of today, We cannot address the topics of today if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us. We will be, like James talks about, people who are tossed by the wind, people who have hard time believing. It says, James talks about in the book of James, that we will be like people tossed in the waves, kind of going bobbing up and down with waves coming over top of us, if we have a hard time believing. And the Holy Spirit enables us to believe. Not only that, I don't want to be just be, be a person who keeps my faith during hard times. Like, I want people to keep their faith during hard times. Don't get me wrong. But I want to be more than someone who just keeps their faith. I think there's a lot of people who are watching online and a lot of people who've come back to the church during COVID who've kept their faith. And I'm gr- glad they haven't lost their faith. I'm glad they've kept their faith. Here's what I would desire, though, and I wish we would see more of this, and I hope we see more of this as we come out of COVID, is that our faith would not only be kept, but our faith would shine. 
I think the world, and we can see it through whether it be the truckers that, are, that, 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 that protested in Ottawa and the government's response, or we could see it through a, a, a war that happens in Ukraine, I think the world is a chaotic place where people lose hope all the time, where there are, um, the Bible even talks about this, that in the last days, people's hearts will fail them because of fear. Because of what the things that are going to happen on the earth. And so I think the, as, as things get darker and the coming of Jesus becomes more and more likely in our sights as Christians, we could easily recede and say, I'm just going to keep my faith to myself and I'm going to hopefully hold on to my faith, which I think is a very dangerous thing because I think when Jesus said, are you going to hide your light under a bushel? And we all know the song says, no. We're not going to do that because I think we, we all know what happens when you, when, you, when you suffocate a candle and there's no oxygen for that fire to have. It goes dead. It goes out. And if you're someone who's just trying to hold on to your faith during troubled times, I think your faith might become in danger of being snuffed out. What we want, what I want, what the Holy Spirit wants, is this is where I'm going with my sermon today, what the Holy Spirit wants is for Christ to be glorified, for our lights to shine. The word glory has to do with brilliance. You know, brilliance, you know, being bright like a light. You know, like when, when, when Moses came down the mountain, I refer to this often, when Moses comes down to the, from the mountain, he's shining because he's been spending time with God. He's glowing. He's showing the glory of God that got him. God's glory, which is, God is an all-consuming fire, the Bible tells us. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. And we as a church, our, our, our church slogan, to live in love like Jesus, means we need to shine. We need to Burn bright. And if we're going to burn bright, we're going to be glorious. And the Holy Spirit's desire. This is, so, this is my first sermon after moving on from the teachings of Jesus. And we talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit and what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit would be helper, counselor. Great. Now what does the Holy Spirit have to say? The Holy Spirit does the same thing that Jesus talking, teaching about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to do the same thing for Jesus. Teach about Jesus. Glorify Jesus. Bring light upon Jesus. In darkness, you can't see anything, right? But when there is light, you expose and you see the things around you, right? You walk into a dark room at night, you got to go to the bathroom, you got sometimes to turn on a light so that you can see and you don't walk into things. And for in my house, if there's a toy on the ground, it's very dangerous to walk in the darkness or you're going to hurt yourself and trip and fall. Hello? I mean, Melissa will tell you about her experiences. <laughs> Breaking her foot. You know, these things happen. And so what do we do? We turn on the light. And when the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit want to do in your life? He wants to turn on the light. Why? So that you can see the light of the world. So that you can see who Jesus truly is. The Holy Spirit's first purpose is to bring glory to Jesus. It's interesting, I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit, being himself God, being a part of the Trinity, doesn't desire to have his own glory. This is why I think um, people write books like The Forgotten Member of the Trinity, which is about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit isn't seeking his own desires. And we have a hard concept with that because I think we, and I was having conversations with people recently, we as human beings are so selfish in our nature. 
We want the attention to be brought to ourselves. We think our lives are about us. And the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, says, no, it's not even about me. I am God, but it's not even about me. It's about the work that I did through Jesus. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. It's about what Jesus did while he was on earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yes, but, but, but the Holy Spirit was there to glorify Jesus. Because it's through Jesus that we come to know God. And so, yes, in a way, we also come to know God through the Holy Spirit. We should know who the Holy Spirit is, and that's why we need to teach about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, as we learn more about the Holy Spirit, it's only going to unveil more also about the character of God, of, of Jesus. Because Jesus is who he was when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. They can't separate them. This is how the Trinity works. They are one together. You can't take one away from the other. Yes, they're distinct persons, but they work in purpose and will together, the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to read in the scriptures today in John, John chapter 16. And we're going to start at verse 5, and we're going to read to verse 14, and we're going to see... I might read 15 as well. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit desires to bring glory to Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 5. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regarding to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I go to the Father where you see me no longer. And in regards to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Okay, that's a mouthful right there. There's lots happening in this passage, but I'm going to break it down for you real quick. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I know you would, you would love for me to stay with you. And... Amen. Who wouldn't like to see Jesus here preaching to you instead of Thomas? Hello, even I would love that. Like, I would love it. Jesus, just show up and teach the people so I don't have to. You're such a better teacher. You're the great shepherd. You know, shepherd being the word where you get pastor from. He's the great shepherd. I'm a, I'm a small shepherd. Actually, I'm reading a book right now. It's called Quit Pastoring Your Church. You're like, pastor, are you going to quit? No, 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 no. That's not what he's talking about. Not like quit the job of being a pastor, but quit pastoring your church in the sense that, guess what? There is a greater pastor among us, even here today. Now, Jesus, his disciples are like, yeah, you probably don't want me to go, Jesus is telling his disciples, but I'm going to send another one who's going to be with you in my place to represent me, to bring me glory. So in a way, now, I'm not trying to glorify myself here, but I want to glorify Jesus through you. In a way, if we really believe that God works in this way, that if I, as your pastor, am filled with the Holy Spirit, and my job is to glorify Christ, then you do get a bit of Jesus every Sunday when I preach the word. Hopefully, right? Hopefully your pastor is filled with the Holy Spirit. I hope you would actually go to a different church if you didn't believe that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're like, hey, that, that pastor, he doesn't, really preach with the Spirit of God in him. Hopefully as a believer who, as you as believers who have the Holy Spirit can tell the difference between someone who is preaching in the Holy Spirit and who has the Spirit of God within them, who demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. Remember Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. 
And the fruit of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I list these things often so they will get in our head, in our being, and we can recognize them for what they are. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to go away, but don't worry. In a way, I'll still be with you because you'll have the Holy Spirit. And then he also says the Holy Spirit is going to come to bring a conviction of sin upon you. Now, someone asked me recently, Pastor, why don't you preach more about repentance? And And to be honest with you, I should. Because the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to convict you of sin. And when we're convicted of sin, we need to repent. And so during this series on the Holy Spirit, I will dedicate an entire sermon to how the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Because I think there is enough time and enough of an importance to dwell on that subject. But before we go there, I think it's also important that what we're going to read here is that uh, it's the Holy Spirit who brings glory to Jesus. Let's continue to read so we can see that. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more that you can bear now. So even Jesus took time on each subject and he says, there's lots that I could say, so I'm going to break it down. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's another role of the spirit, to guide us into truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit actually gives us a spirit of prophecy, which is to tell us of the things that are about to happen on the earth in our own lives. Sometimes you'll have dreams, you'll have visions, as the book of Joel prophesies about the time when the Spirit comes. We'll get dreams, we'll get visions, we'll be able to speak words of prophecy into people's lives where God reveals to us things that we weren't aware of until he showed us those things and we can speak them. Believe it or not, that comes through the Spirit. And if you haven't experienced that in your life, then you can. Amy, Beth, and I have experienced that. One reason why we're pastoring this church is because we believe the Spirit of God spoke to us in that type of way to come specifically to this church. Now, here's the part that I think that uh, I want to emphasize, and this is the purpose of preaching this scripture in this sermon, is verse 14. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. I'll read that again because, again, it is the central... Verse for my sermon. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So so Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the dead. And he says, if anyone puts their hope, their faith, their trust in me and believes that I am the Son of God, the Savior of the world, he will have everlasting life and become a child of God. Amen? That's the gospel. If you haven't believed that, start believing. You become a child of God, a friend of God. He becomes your Lord and Savior. He saves you from all your sins. Anything you've ever done, isn't it amazing? I show up every Sunday to worship God. I wake up every morning to worship God because Jesus did that for me. And what the Father does then is say, because Jesus was willing to do this, because Jesus was willing to go to the cross to die that death and to be raised from the dead, Jesus becomes the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is, even as a part of God himself, gets a distinction above the Father, above the Holy Spirit, in the fact that he is given whatever belonged to the Father to begin with. Father God says, this is my son. He's done everything I've ever asked him to do. And everything I have is, everything that I have is his. And uh, isn't, if you're a father uh, and a good father, 
that's something you want to do for your kids. You want to give them the world. You want to give them everything that you've ever enjoyed. And for us who are fallible human beings who um, aren't perfect, we say we want our kids to live a better life than we've lived. Amen? Like, that's what we want as fathers. But then Jesus goes on to say, that is why he said the Spirit will take from what is mine and will make it known to you. So Jesus leaves, right? Jesus, yes, died, rose again, and spent 40 days on the earth after he had risen, but then he ascends to heaven, he's gone. You know, the people are wondering, where's Jesus gone? He's gone. And then Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and the role of the Holy Spirit is to take from what belongs to Jesus. We belong to Jesus, right? As soon as we put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus, we belong to him. And the Spirit takes us, who belong to Jesus, and makes it known to us. What does that mean? It means now we as believers, when we have the Holy Spirit, we can see the Spirit of God moving not only within our own lives, but around us. So we want to see the Spirit of God move. The Spirit of God brings glory to Christ. And we start to now recognize when Christ is getting glory or when he's not getting glory. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm trying to tell you. But the role of the Holy Spirit is this, is that you start to see as a believer when Jesus is showing up in the room. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in a way that when you see things happening in like Ukraine or Russia, or you see things happening in your own nation's capital, or you see things happening in your own family's life that are very deep and disturbing and troubling, you, as someone who has the Holy Spirit, can also be filled with hope in a way that you can see where God is moving and where Jesus can intervene into situations where most people would be devastated and most people would be troubled and most people would have a lack of of hope and a lack of understanding, but the Spirit of God rises it up in you in such a powerful way that you're like there. You know, we sing this beautiful song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Even when life's troubles face you, you're given hope because he lives and you'll only see that he's actually alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, people, even if they call themselves Christians, if they have a hard time seeing Jesus at work in the world today, it's not because Jesus isn't at work. It's because they don't have the Holy Spirit filling them on a regular basis. I don't say that they're not believers because of it, but I would say their faith needs to rise up and they need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in them more to give them that hope. And to be honest with you, I struggle with it. Even this morning I came into church, and I'll tell you, Linda can tell you, I was doing a little venting, I was a little discouraged, but I'm feeling the Holy Spirit now to say, I don't care if things get me down. Things are going to get me down. But when I get down, He pulls me up. It's His Spirit. It's He shows me Jesus is with me. The moments where I'm on my knees and I'm saying I feel like I'm alone, the Holy Spirit shows me I was never alone. You know, there's that, that, that uh, footprints, you know, people like to put it up in their bathrooms or, or in their houses, the footprints po poem that says, you know, for some reason I was looking behind me and there was only two sets of footprints and I thought, man, I thought God was always supposed to be there with me. Where's the footprints of Jesus, my Savior? And, and then the Holy Spirit, I believe, spoke to whoever wrote that and, and, and the, the truth of the message is there was only two sets of footprints because I was carrying you. It was his footprints, not yours. 
He was carrying you. It takes the Holy Spirit to recognize when God is carrying you. It takes the Holy Spirit in your life to recognize when things are looking bleak. There is always light. There is always hope. Again, I was trying to figure out how do I preach relating what's happening in the world today where maybe a, the third world war could be breaking out. I don't know if you heard people speak to that extreme, but they're like, hey, listen, uh, one country's evading another, maybe a third world war would break out. Listen, there is hope if we have the Holy Spirit, even during the second world war and the first world war and the war wars that happened in other countries over the past few millennium, there was always hope because people who were believers, people who called on Jesus, who became children of God, had the Holy Spirit and had hope because they had the Holy Spirit in them and they could see Jesus working in their lives because of the power of the Holy Spirit still present in their lives. So no matter what happens in the world's events, these things can be true in your life today. I'm going to read Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 uh, verse 9 to 17 and he's talking about the Spirit of God. He says, uh, this is Paul writing to the Roman church, and he says, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, You, however, are controlled not by your sinful nature, but by the Spirit. He's talking to believers, remember? He's telling us we don't live according to our sinful nature anymore, but we live by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's pretty evident now, guys. If you want to call yourself a Christian, you can't be calling yourself a Christian by name only. You have to have the Spirit of God living in you. You have to come to know the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important that not, I know not only teach the teachings of Jesus, but we recognize that the teachings of Jesus come accompanied with the Holy Spirit, and we need to know who the Holy Spirit is. Verse 10, but Christ is in you. Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is made alive because of righteousness. So when we sin, sin destroys us. Sin ruins our relationships. Sin uh, hurts our own bodies. Sin destroys our minds. Sin is against us. But when we die to sin, the Spirit is made alive in us. We want the Spirit to overcome sin. You want to repent? You want to live a life of repentance? You need the Spirit of God in you. Verse 11, and the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The Holy Spirit who gave a dead body life the same spirit that resurrected Jesus is also in you. This is one of my favorite verses. You're struggling? Man, Melissa, you've had a tough past few months. In the hospital more than I'd ever want to be in the hospital. But the Spirit of God lives in you, and you can face tomorrow because he lives in you. And that goes for Melissa. I'm using Melissa as an example because I know how much she's been to the hospital the past. And praise God, here's a testimony. They took uh, Isla, baby Isla, to the hospital this past week like three times because she had broken out in a rash and her throat was starting to swell like her body was fighting some kind of virus and they didn't know what it was and they could just only hope and pray. And thank God it was like, it, was, it happened on Sunday. It wasn't until Thursday or Friday, where her she started to turn, and uh, we were praying for her, uh, and and praise God that that changed. But in those moments, in those moments where you're like, "Is my child or my family? Are we all right?" You need to know that the same Spirit that gave life to a dead body lives in us. 
That means you could be dying or literally dead and you can still be alive. Isn't that what we believe as believers? There's a guy I played hockey with. He died this, he died this past week. He was probably in his late 60s and he, last year he was playing hockey with me. He's, he, he's gone now. You know what I believe though? Because he was a believer. He's more alive than he's ever been. More Now, how can I say that unless I believe that the spirit of the living God lived in him, lives in me? That's how I can recognize these things. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live to according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if we... But, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear. You hear this, church? You did not receive a spirit of fear. World War III breaking out? I'm not afraid. Our own Nation capital is up in distress because of what the government's putting on us. I'm not going to fear the protesters. I'm not going to fear my government. I'm not afraid because I have the spirit of the living God in me. Amen? Come on, church. Do we not need this message today? Pandemic's coming. Pandemic, Omicron, Delta, another wave, another variant. We did not receive a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear comes on you. You need to quote this verse. I did not receive a spirit of fear, but I received a spirit of sonship. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. of a. am a child of the Most High God. And if he can take care of Daniel and the lions, then he'll take care of me. If he can take care of David, when he's facing Goliath, he'll take care of me. If he, if he took care of Joshua when he was fighting the walls of Jericho, he can take care of me. If he was with Peter and Paul and, and, and when they were in prison, or John on the Isle of Patmos in exile, then isn't he with me? Here's the, here's the reality of this verse. I'm going to finish reading it. Hold on. The Spirit of Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So if you're struggling believing that you're a child of God and that He's with you at all times, you need to know that it's the Spirit within you. You need to ask for the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit, so you can know that you are a child of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may share in His glory. You want to glorify Jesus? You also have to know how to suffer. You only know how to suffer to know if he's with you while you are suffering. I'll say that again. If you want to know how to share his glory, how to shine, if you want the Holy Spirit in you so that you yourself glorify Christ, you, know, you need to know how to share in his sufferings. And in order to know how to suffer, you have to have the Spirit of God in you so that you can be like Daniel, um, David, um, Jesus himself on the cross, Peter, Paul, John. The, way, the reason why those men could go through those circumstances of suffering is because the Spirit of God was upon them and in them and through them. And when we get the Spirit of God in us, we are children of God and we know he's with us. Now here's the, here's the reality. I'm, I'm pretty much done looking at the scriptures, but this is, this is my big thought and takeaway that I want you to go home with. That is, is that Jesus is... When, when we have the Spirit of God, we are 
so aware that Jesus is present around us. I struggle with this. I'll be meeting with someone as a pastor, and they're, they're sharing with me their, their concerns over their lives, and they just want some pastoral advice or some pastoral comfort. They want me to pray for them. They want me to read scriptures for them. And to be honest with you, I don't know what to do all the time. You know, I'm only going to be 36 next month. I still have lots to learn. Some of you saying amen right now. Yeah, you got lots to learn, young pup. Keep learning. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll admit it. I got lots to learn. But the reality is this. When I am filled with the Spirit of God, the only thing I need to know is that he's with me and that he will guide me in those moments. When I'm filled with the Spirit of God, Jesus shows up and he speaks and he touches I told you a few weeks ago about a time I was praying for uh, someone in my office because of his shoulder pain. And he says, did you touch me? I said, no, I've been sitting in front of you the whole time. I did not get up around you and touch you. Hello? Do we believe that Jesus could have been there putting his hand on his shoulder? I need to be aware I need to be filled so I'm aware. So I, I think that what, what, what I'm trying to say is that when when we have the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's role is to glorify Christ, how does he glorify Christ? He makes us all aware of that Jesus is in the room. Linda, Jesus is in our board meetings. Church, uh, Jesus is in our prayer meetings. You should want to come to Pastor Liz's book study because Jesus is there. You should want to be here. Like, I'm talking, I know you guys are here. I see you, you're in the building. You people at home should want to be here. I know you're afraid of the pandemic, some of you, but I just read a verse. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Now, some of you are trying to be wise. I understand that. There is wisdom, and I'll give you some prudence to that. But when does it go beyond wisdom and go to fear? God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sonship. When you're son and daughter of the Most High God, you're a part of a family. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. It breaks my heart as a pastor to see the family of God so broken apart over the past few years. And I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church at large. I'm talking about my friends' churches, you know, south of us, north of us, east of us, west of us, in our own country, where people are not having the same fellowship we once had. Where the children of God aren't sitting at the same family table. You get what I'm saying? It breaks my heart, and God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sonship. And so we should be coming together. Why? Because Jesus is at the table. If I said to you, come over to my house tonight for dinner, Jesus is going to be there. If you really believe he's the savior of the world, the creator of the world, the, the, the God of the universe, you're going to show up for dinner, aren't you? I want to be at the wedding supper. I want to be at the supper where Jesus all invites us there. Now, if I knew he was really there, wouldn't I show up? Now, here's what Jesus is saying through the power of the Holy Spirit is that when we have the Holy Spirit, Jesus is there. So the next time you invite someone over for dinner, are you going to be paying attention to what Jesus might be saying through you? Now, you might invite someone who, has completely, who is completely unaware that Jesus lives with you and in you and through you. But here's the beauty of glorifying Jesus is that when you invite someone into your home, they start to wonder if something's different here. We call it like the aroma of Christ. We call it the presence of Christ. People have walked into this church. I know this because when I was interviewed, I said, this is why one my one question, Linda, you might remember this because Linda was in the, um, in, in the meeting when I was being interviewed. I asked, they said, do you have any questions for us now? And I said, this is my one question. Amy Beth, you might remember too because you were in that meeting. What are the evidences that the spirit of God is living in this place? I wanted to know 
that he's here. I don't want to show up to a church where Jesus isn't here. I want to know he's welcome here. And I had some beautiful answers. I remember someone telling me that there was a time where someone just walked into the church. and They didn't even know why, but they started crying. Listen, if I walked into a house, if I knew that Jesus was in that house, now I'm talking about the real presence of Jesus, like the, the, the physical presence, I, I know I'd be crying. I know I'd be crying if I know that after, after the service here today, I'm going to someone's house and Jesus is there. I mean, Zacchaeus climbed up a tree because he wanted to see the Lord. I'm sure there were some tears shed when people actually got to meet Jesus because if they knew he, how much he loved them. And so people knew the Spirit of God. You guys knew the Spirit of God is evident here because people would just break down crying. And I remember one of the first times I, I, I heard someone say, well, that's evidence of the Spirit through tears. And you, know, you don't read that in the Bible. There's no, like, the Spirit of God equals tears. But you know how I, I knew? I was at a wedding one time. And uh, one of the, pa- the pastors, uh, it was one of our best friends was getting married. And she was, the bride was just, she couldn't help but cry. And the pastor said, this is evidence of the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I, I, it kind of, it made sense to me. I cry when I'm deeply moved by love. And a fruit of the Spirit is love. And so if you've ever cried tears of love, of joy, of peace, sometimes the, the, your, your emotions are overwhelmed by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Church, are you aware that the Spirit of God is in you and through you and around you? And is he glorifying Jesus so that you sense that Jesus is in the room? I believe next week, Pastor Liz is uh, planning on taking you through communion. I won't be here next week. Pastor Liz will be bringing the message, and I believe she'll be taking communion with you. And I want you, as you practice communion, to recognize it's the Lord's Supper. It's his table, and it's it's, it's not just remembering him, even though a, a month ago or so I preached on this and we talked about the need to remember Jesus. Yes, we remember him, but we also practice the presence of Jesus. You know what I mean by practicing the presence? As we're taking communion, we are aware that his spirit is with us and around us. That's how we practice the presence. You can practice the presence during communion, and I encourage you to do that next week. You can practice the presence every morning. Every evening before bed, you can stop in the middle of the day and practice the presence of Jesus. You know when I do it, sometimes I get a little angry at my kids or my wife sometimes, and I realize I need Jesus by my side because I'm not being the best dad or husband, and I need to practice the presence of Jesus. I need Jesus to put his arm around me and tell me everything's going to be all right, and that he, there's a better way of doing this. You ever feel that? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. I need a moment. I need a moment with Jesus. And Jesus puts his arm around me. I, I believe that. And he tells me, it's going to be all right. But you've got to handle it a little bit the way I would handle it. We used to put on these bracelets back when I was a teenager. What would Jesus do? Remember that? The idea with that bracelet is a good idea. You know, like to think through the thoughts. You know, the Bible tells us to renew our mind, to think through this thought. What would Jesus do? Here's a better question. Um, what would you do, Jesus? You get the difference? What would Jesus do is almost like a question about what would the guy upstairs do? Like he's not even in the building, you know? Maybe you got to send up a, a call. Hello, what would you do up there? No, no, no. What would you do, Jesus, is assuming he's in you, he's through you, he's around you. And it's only possible by the Spirit of God that that can happen. See, the Old Testament believers, it, the Spirit of God fell from occasion to occasion on certain individuals. The New Testament believers, the promise was that everyone ha- who calls themselves a Christian who calls themselves a believer in the living God has the opportunity for the Spirit of God to fill them.
to live through them. And that's the difference between Old Testament spirit falling on people versus New Testament available to everyone. And so if that's true, then I can say in any moment, what would you do? have me do, Jesus, versus just wondering? I, I think a lot of us would recognize, I'd be lost if I had to figure out what would Jesus do. I mean, if I knew, I would do it because I'd be a better person at that point. But I need to ask him. He's here. He's with me. And I, I need to believe that he's going to give me the answer in this moment. And often he does. You know, often he says, you need to be more patient. You need to be more kind. You need to be slow to speak. Calm your anger down, Thomas. You know, those, that's the spirit of God speaking the words of Christ in, in me in those moments. We turn on the news. Ukraine is being invaded by Russia. Fear might come up. And, the, and, 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 and I say, well, where are you, Jesus? And he says, don't worry. I knew this was going to happen. I'll take care of you, even if you have to go through some suffering. Even if life's going to get a little bit more difficult, I'm still with you. Do we not know these things? But we need his spirit within us at those moments to remind us in those moments. Or we're just going to be tossed like the waves. And we're going to struggle. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to tell you more and more and more about the spirit's role in our lives. But today's message was just the fact that it, the spirit glorifies Jesus. And he makes us aware of Jesus around us. So that's one rule. But there's many rules to come. And we'll continue over these next 50 days leading up to Easter to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. I know Pastor Liz is going to share something probably a little different next week. So enjoy Pastor Liz's preaching next week. But uh, after that, I'll come back and I'll be preaching uh, about the Holy Spirit. So let us pray. And as we pray, one thing I was thinking that I'm going to do regularly now is that in this pastoral prayer at the end of the service is that you have an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit in. Invite the Holy Spirit in. I mean, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit, but he wants permission to move. He doesn't want to be chained up inside of you. He wants to be free to move. And so we give him permission in us to move, to fill, and to glorify Christ. So Holy Spirit, we come to you now knowing that, yes, as believers, when we trust in you, Jesus, you give us the Spirit, and you, Holy Spirit, come and dwell in us. And we thank you for the fact that you are in us, Holy Spirit. But we pray now that you have permission, we give you permission to come and fill us again. Fill us, Holy Spirit, in a way that we would be aware that, Jesus, you are here. Your presence is everywhere. You are what theologians like to say is omnipresent, which means you, God, are everywhere, but you still want recognition that you are near. You want us to become aware of your presence. We want to see Jesus at our dinner table. We want to see Jesus in our homes. We want to see Jesus when we're with people who are going through troubled times. We want to see Jesus when we're encouraging people. We want to see Jesus in our country. We want to see Jesus moving in our politicians. We want to see Jesus on the global scale, hearing and answering the prayers of the church to put an end to wars and to move to save people's lives. Jesus, we want to see your gospel move. We want to be, see the evidence that you're, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are bringing more children into the family of God. Jesus, we want to see you in the lives of our children. Lord, I, 
I know I've talked to a few people recently. I know my sister's concerned for her son, who's uh, going to be 16 this year. And I know there are other teenagers in our congregation I'm thinking of, Lord, and we want to see the Spirit move in their lives. Lord, I want to see the Spirit move in Ian and in Elijah and Reed and Michael and Logan, MJ, and his friend Maddie. Lord, I want to see the Spirit move in my children and Joel and Julia and Macy, Tessa, Anna, Claire. I want to see the Spirit of God move in Aurora and Isla and Autumn and Jack and Nova and Lucas. In Brooklyn, Lord, we want to see the Spirit of God move in Brooklyn and Sophia. Lord, I think of all of the other grandchildren, Lord, and Jerry and Donna's grandchildren, Margaret's grandchildren, and Harry's grandchildren, Pat's grandchildren, and June and Adrian's grandchildren, and, and Linda's children and grandchildren. Lord, we want to see you move. We want to see Jesus, your presence, we want to see the Spirit alive. So we, again, invite you to fill us that we would be aware, Jesus, that you are present in our families, you are present in our communities, and you're present in us, in our church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.